Thank you. Well, it's great to be back. Kent has been on my heart for about 55 years. I was living in Bolton, Lancashire, on a um, converted pub. We converted into a bookshop. That's wonderful, that little table. And um, we were uh, trying to mobilize a very large number of people to move out across Europe. I think we had been there already two summers and gave about 25 million people. This was the birth of a wham. There's a lady here who was there at that time. I just met her. And um, we wanted to do greater things. And as I looked at the map, there was no tunnel. In 63, we had to bring 100 vehicles, old vehicles we purchased in London on these ferries to get them to the continent. Some of them ended up in India and Nepal. And I thought Kent is the place where we need to see more workers. And there was a, an American guy, he didn't really know what he's supposed to be doing. And I said, you go to Kent. Well, I made a mistake. I sent him to Seven Oaks instead of Tunbridge. But uh, <laughs> that was the beginning. And little did I know that uh, my wife and I would end up living in Kent for about 50 years. Uh, of course, a little confusing because we live in Bromley Borough, which is Kent. My address is West Wickham, Kent. But in fact, we're part of London, and so we have the London Freedom Pass and other VIP London privileges. So it's a privilege whenever I can speak at a church in Kent. You know, when you're my age, you don't get so many invitations, especially to bigger churches. Uh, and I consider this a bigger church. And um, I guess, you know, some people think you're dead. Uh, so, of course, they don't invite you. But uh, it really is a privilege to be here. I know some of you have been on OM. Some of you pray for OM. Some of you have been on the ships. Um, I just want to thank you. Some of you give financially. We found out the hard way. The money is a lot harder to get than the people. Do you know how many people have served on OM? Over 200,000. And thousands who wanted to be missionaries. It, it never happened because finding the money is not just a matter of praying. That is a deception. God has turned the funding of his work over to his people. If his people are not generous, it will not happen. We should not blame messes on God. It's usually people that make a mess. Of course, uh, God answers prayer, but he doesn't force people. There's more wealth in the hands of Christians than ever before in the history, but there's probably less than 5% who even the secular authorities would classify as generous. Well, praise God for the 5%. That's one of the reasons we've had four ships sailing the seas for 47 years, reaching 100 million people with the Word of God. And I had just a couple of prayer requests before I give them. I want to introduce my team. I don't go anywhere generally on my own. And I've got Molly and Bob Cook, who work with the Dalit Freedom Network, which has just changed their name to Dignity because of political problems in India. Uh, our biggest field, over 3,000 workers, had, had to be transformed into a church movement. Uh, so there's about 3,000 churches and known as Good Shepherd Churches. And Bob and Molly are literally working night and day for that uh, movement. So I'm asking Bob to do the very special thing of bringing the entire world now forward to me. So welcome, uh, Bob and Molly. Thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus said, go into all the world 
and preach the gospel to every person. And I know that's the vision you already have. I'm not bringing anything new here. And my main message this morning really isn't primarily about missions. But it's interesting that one of the leaders of the AOG missions movement, uh, Mark Wiltshire, was with me on the first ship. And he was a real pest, I can tell you. Uh, and his father was one of our great lineup persons, eventually worked with the Financial Times. I was just with his dad in Norfolk. But pray for Mark. He carries a big load while also pastoring the AOG there in, uh, in Bromley. We have a lot of other links, as I have 50-some years ministering in your network and the global network. And I just wanted to share just a couple of prayer requests. Our ship is Lagos Hope. We only have one ship. It's much bigger. 400 people live on that ship. We often, on one weekend, get 30,000 visitors up the gangway. How would you like 30,000 to plow through your church here on a weekend? Might be a few cups of tea. And we've just shifted from the Caribbean, uh, where we've given the gospel to hundreds of thousands, into the Spanish world, which means we have to change the book exhibit over to Spanish. A huge task, an expensive task. So could you pray for the ship, Lagos Hope? Some of you belong on it in the next couple of years. You can email me on how it's done. Anybody from this church is automatically a 500-pound sterling scholarship. It's the Tunbridge Wells uh, Verwer Scholarship. Because I have two grandkids that live in Tunbridge Wells, if you classify Bidborough as Tunbridge Wells. One of them went to St. Gregory's. Any of you ever heard of that? And one of them went to Skinner. He didn't like St. Gregory's, so he went to Skinner. And he's working with my wife and I. He was going to be here today. But his brother demanded that he drive him back to university. Anyway, any of you have grandchildren? Aren't they amazing? Tony Campalo says, grandchildren is God's prize to you for not killing off your own kids. It's, I don't think he got that from the Bible. So we appreciate prayer for the ship as it'll spend a year in Latin America. This is all prepared in advance. Thousands of churches are linked with us in Latin America, one of the fastest church growth areas of the world. And OM has been blamed, and the ship ministry has been blamed for birthing the modern global missions movement out of Latin America as we've been going there 30 some years and have seen thousands of workers who don't end up with OM. They end up with their own denomination or other missions, but we're involved. The second prayer request is for the Dalits of India, quarter of a, uh, uh, a billion people, 250 million who live in a form of slavery. If you want to find out more about that, this is one of OM's major global ministries. Then you Please do talk to Molly and, and Bob. But meanwhile, we need prayer. We have over 100 schools, 20, 25,000 kids. We're always looking for sponsors. Uh, enormous financial pressure to keep this going. This is where my wife and I lived for a number of years when we weren't living uh, back here. And the third prayer request is uh, for Teen Street. This is uh, relatively new, not new anymore, but it's not something that I birthed when I was the leader of OM. That was 46 years. This came by the younger generation to give people between 12 and 17 some taste of global missions and the OM discipleship vision. And that has exploded. So uh, last summer, over uh, about 4,000 counting staff gathered in Germany. Uh, and it's a huge challenge because young people are forced to be more mature, forced into adult 
thinking when like they're only 14 or 15. And so God has given us this strategic ministry among younger teens. And we'd be happy to send more info about it. And then the fourth prayer request is for the land of Turkey. And one of the first brothers I met here this morning is from Turkey. That was the number one country. When OM was being born, I was a student in Chicago. I didn't want to start another mission, but I saw that certain countries were left out. Turkey, Afghanistan, and Iraq. And that birthed the original vision of OM, which changed when I was trying to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union. I was arrested by the KGB, accused of being a spy. That's when I went for the day of prayer. That's when God gave me the name Operation Mobilization, the vision to move to Britain, where I knew there were lots of churches, and to mobilize God's people to reach all of Europe, and then to see mobilization from Europe to Turkey and Afghanistan and Iraq. And that's still going on with lots of blessings and thousands of heartbreaks as well, I can assure you. So there's four re prayer requests. To me, the first Sunday of a year is always uh, somehow uh, extra exciting. Last Sunday, I was in a very unusual meeting, hardly ever happened before in history. A large brethren group in a place called Appledorn, where the brethren movement, a very conservative branch of the brethren, brethren movement that doesn't fellowship with anybody, had a huge church going back to the 1930s. And because of younger men, and willingness to change. They've been able to change this church. It probably would have died as quite a few of these brethren fellowships have. I've ministered in many all over the world. Because they made change, they're alive and well. And they invited all the Pentecostals in to hear George Verwer last Sunday morning. I did get in trouble uh, when toward the end I, I started one of my Verwer Holy Ghost, I hope, dances in front of everybody. And one man came at me after the meeting. He pointed me right in the eye and says, you didn't preach the word of God. You were just pushing yourself. Anyway, uh, it's always good to have those people around. But what a wonderful meeting it was there in Appledorn. And now here I am in Tunbridge Wells. The, this is the first Sunday of the new year. Last Sunday was New Year's Eve. What a New Year's Eve I had. How many of you had a fantastic New Year's Eve? Drunk on new wine, that's the key. I was on the OM Riverboat, and at midnight, last New Year's Eve, we dedicated this 75-meter-long riverboat, 80 people already living on it. We dedicated it to the Lord Jesus for three months of ministry on the major cities of Europe, on the major rivers, on some of the major cities. This is a new test run. We've only leased this boat. The owner was there the next day to make sure... We weren't going to sink it. But after we had this prayer of commitment at midnight, we went outside and stood on the deck. And somehow there, uh, this was in Lillestadt, up in the north of the Netherlands. I went by train up to the north. Somehow, we had the greatest fireworks display I've ever seen. And I've been to fireworks all my life. 25 different fireworks. And we were in the perfect location in the bay watching all of this and somehow God used that that he is going to do fireworks among his people in 2018 but it's not the kind of fireworks they have because they go really fast and then they fizzle and we already have too many evangelical fizzles we want God's fireworks linked with a ministry 
of the Holy Spirit. God has given me seven words for 2018, and I'm excited. By the way, I've never had a day since my conversion in which I haven't been to some degree excited. Even when I was having vocal cord surgery, especially this very attractive nurse, I was trying to tell her about the ship ministry. She was the one giving the anesthesia. And the next thing I woke up and they had taken that little growth off my vocal cords. So even in, in miserable, difficult times, you can be excited. And I don't understand why people aren't more excited about the Lord Jesus. Now, of course, when I came here with this message 55 years ago, I was immediately written off as a loudmouth, way too excited, extrovert American. And we English people are not like that. But I have seen Great Britain change because of the work of the Holy Spirit in getting people excited, even English style. And I've seen many English people, and I've been in a lot of your churches, get way more excited than some of my laid-back, sleepy American friends. So God has been a new thing in this nation for many, many years, and the nations of the world are feeling the impact of that. And Britain is still in the top 10 nations in the world with potential and people and finance and legacy, all that you need for global missions. And the contribution of Britain and British churches in global missions is beyond anything that's ever been written down. I got so excited when I picked up this little brochure. Have you all got one of these? This, this is just so terrific. And as you think of the new year, you need to do some new things. I would have thought that's about one of the best new things you could do is join one of those groups. I would join the Purpose Driven Life Group because that is one of the most widely used books in the history of the Christian church. I personally met Rick Warren very briefly, a little more time with his wife, and God continues to use that book because it's contextualized into different situations. So I noticed that there's a whole table there for sign up. No doubt you're planning to push that. But I get excited because small groups is often where God is doing great things. People look at our ship, 400 people living on a ship. Whoa, it sounds like a Holy Ghost zoo. They're all in family groups. And for birthdays, they meet in families. And they, they go off and sometimes have special uh, events together. And it's the family groups, the small groups in the ship ministry that has really kept it healthy because you get close to people and you share, you feel you get to know people. Not easy to get to know even 150 uh, people. So another challenge God put on my heart for this new year is to challenge any of you, any of you that have not yet read the Bible through completely. I did it just a few months after my conversion. I got this church, very sleepy church that didn't really believe the Bible. It's a social club, but I got them to read the Bible out loud nonstop. It actually got in the newspaper because it's so unusual for a church to pray and read the Bible. That's where I was from. And uh, it took about 66 hours. Now, you can read the whole Bible in 66 hours. You can read it a lot faster than that, actually. You can listen to the Bible. I listen to the audio Bible all the time. Now, how many, let's be honest, it's good to start the year pew, huh, with a burst of honesty. How many of you love Jesus, you love God's word, but somehow you're busy, you're a busy bee, 
You're married with 14 kids. Your husband's a pain in the neck. So you haven't been able to read the whole Bible through. Raise your hand. You've not read the whole Bible through yet. Come on, be honest. Nobody's taking any films. This is your moment because if you read the Bible through in 2018 and email me or write me, I will send you a lovely, uh, somewhat expensive study Bible. So I'll be giving out my card at the end of the meeting, get my address. Uh, I come here all the time because my daughter lives up the road, and we'll make sure you get that study Bible. More than that, you will be so blessed. Many of the Lord's people are neglecting his word. Don't worry about the things you don't understand. A lot of the Old Testament is basic history. You can read it quickly. You might want to read in five different places in the Bible at the same time using little markers. Don't get bogged down just reading for one hour in Leviticus. And, you know, have a mixed diet like you get, uh, you know, when you go to one of these special cafeterias. We used to go, this was our favorite restaurant here, Cosmos. <laughs> what a sad story. Anyway, we won't get into that. But we hope you'll read the Bible through in 2018. Turn with me to Psalm 67. Just before we do that, let me talk, uh, or as you turn in your Bible, let me talk about all these books. A lot of the books on that table are Christmas gifts. I'm sorry I didn't get here sooner. We don't want you to give any money for those books. Please, that's an insult. When someone gives you a Christmas gift, you say, hey, here's some money to pay for it. Of course not. So all the books on the one side of the table, including some of my own slow-selling slow books, are, are a gift. And one of them is one, this, by the, the second most influential man in my life, Oswald J. Smith. Powerful. He's in heaven, but his books keep speaking. That's one of the uh, gift books. There's a lot of the Jesus DVDs there that we use, especially in evangelism. Fifteen languages on that DVD. Um, we're distributing these by the tens of thousands across the nation because in London alone, there's 400 languages being spoken. I'm sure in this church, you probably have about 20 or 30 different languages being spoken. Some of you, of course, as a second language. So pick up that. There's my original book that's brought, uh, we believe, a lot of blessing, The Revolution of Love. There's Billy Graham's dynamite book, The Seven Deadly Sins. And by the way, they give you this plastic bag. So, without, you know, not five pence, like down in the supermarket. So that you can fill it with books. All these great books by Roy Hessian, a gift. God has used these books in a phenomenal way. We would see Jesus. I was ministering up at St. John's up the road here once. The vicar told me that's, that's a book that God used in his life. We would see Jesus. I don't have much time to talk about Operation Mobilization, and so we brought literature. If you want to find more about OM, generally people come on OM short-term and go back to their own church or other mission agencies. Heartbeat, long-term missions, Global uh, Magazine, we try to get people to give out Gospels of John because that's partly what God used to bring me to himself so you can pick up a couple dozen Gospels of John. The other end of the table, we don't have so many of those books. They are for a donation. That's a chance for you uh, to pick up the film of my life story. Some of you have seen that on television. And my new book called, uh, 
It's called More Drops, Mystery, Mercy, and Messiology. Sorry, I can't give that free yet. Uh, a little expensive, but for any donation. And that's the best book to follow up on what I attempt to share with you this morning. Psalm 67 as a kickoff for 2018. And one of the key things every day, every year, is a spirit of expectation. And even as you're listening to me, you can pray in your heart. And I'd ask you to pray, Lord, give me a spirit of expectation for 2018. No matter how many heartaches, no matter how many challenges and difficulties, give me a spirit of expectation. I believe the Lord will hear that heart cry. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine on us so that your ways be made known on earth, your salvation among the nations. It's like a missionary psalm. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people with equity, and you guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. The lands yield its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. And I'm convinced, and I have the privilege because I'm so old, of having about 100,000 people who pray for me. Can you imagine? Many of them in India, Latin America. have been in over 100 nations. It's one of the reasons I wear this global jacket. And I just believe God wants to bless you this morning. And I pray that these seven words for 2018 somehow will be an encouragement, uh, a blessing to you. The first word is thanksgiving. If we're more thankful, it activates the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. God is not into forcing his people. Even when we have a special blessing, a special time with God, the moment we're finished with that, we get back to reality. Reality comes from the words of Jesus. If any man come after me, let him deny self, take up the cross, and follow me. History shows that people have gone from great meetings and great blessing and within a few hours fallen into adultery. Right from a meeting of great blessing where God was working, uh, within the next few hours falling into adultery. In some cases, the same evening as the meeting. Satan is alive and well. One of the greatest tragedies globally right now is increasing numbers of ministers and leaders falling into adultery. One of my friends who's gay, and yet he's living on the straight and narrow, he's become very well known, Christopher Yuan, his book, Out of the Far Country. He just emailed me that two of his closest heterosexual friends, and the story of Christopher is quite amazing, by the way, he was a drug dealer, got arrested by the FBI, he discovered in prison uh, that he had HIV AIDS, he was against the gospel, his mother got saved, Chinese background people in America, and when she tried to reach him, he just, I think, threw the Bible away, and then God moved in, he got saved, he ended up at Moody Bible Institute, that's where I met him, uh, he had AIDS, he was in debt, but when I auctioned my global jacket, he 
for my AIDS ministry around the world. He, he offered $500. That's how I met him. He shared his testimony over lunch 15 years ago, and we've been locked and linked ever since. I managed to get him on ON by the next summer, and we distribute his books. And he's got this very compassionate but biblical walk with God. But this email really hit me. Two of his heterosexual friends that he admired and loved, both of them committed major adultery. In Florida, we've had a number of our top guys wiped out by adultery. I arrived to a little town. I won't give the name of the town. And the most famous Anglican church in that town. I wasn't looking for this. I was speaking at a different Anglican church. But they mentioned that the vicar uh, had been sleeping around with some women or a woman in the congregation. Of course, the whole thing blew up. You don't want another thousand stories that I've had to accumulate since running this race. And I was outspoken about this even when I was 18 years of age because I got it from Billy Graham, my spiritual father, what the Bible says about sex. I got it from this book, over 500 verses about sex. And if you're having difficulty in the sexual area, I pray that 2018 will be a year in which you put your hand on the plow and you never turn back. And if a character like me, a real lust case, into pornography as a kid, if I can walk in holiness and godliness, loyal to this one woman, and unmarried, of course, for a couple of years, then anybody can do it. As my wife and I celebrate our 58th wedding anniversary, the last day of this month, more than that, we celebrate that Jesus Christ changed our lives and enabled us to be faithful and loyal to one another. And yet we're one of the main groups in the world that preaches forgiveness, reconciliation. We're the first group that ever recruited divorced people into missions. We can have radical discipline and radical grace at the same time. But I want to get back to my words, or I'll have you here all afternoon. I'm sort of known for that. That's why many people never invite me in the first place. Let's be thankful for what God has done. Let us not focus on the problems. All these horrific problems, and in my work, I'm involved with them every single day. Every single day I'm involved with problems. And I go through a prayer of lamentation for North Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Somalia, Libya, North, Nigeria, Southern Sudan, uh, and a few other places almost every day. Through my special projects ministry, the small part of OM that I still direct, uh, we're involved in projects in some of those nations. But I know God has clearly showed me from his word, I must not focus on the problems. Too many are focusing on the problems here in the UK. It's a really stupid mistake because, in fact, nothing is new. Why don't you study your own history? Would you like to be here in the days of Oliver Cromwell? That was quite nice. And the king had a bit of a problem. Or would you rather be here when they were, you know, blitzing London? The whole history of every nation has been because of the rebellion of man against God. Otherwise, he would have never sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. I'd urge you not to focus on the problems, not to be one more moaning, groaning, English pain in the neck, but to be a thankful, rejoicing person. Of course, listening to people if they're suffering. And if we want to reach people in this unique area of the UK, one of the things we have to prove when we meet them, get ready, prove that you're normal. Huh? Because some Christians, you're with them in one minute, 
and you know they're weird. Somehow work on it. Prove that you're normal. One of the best ways to prove that you're normal, keep your mouth shut, huh? Listen. Just listen to people. Why are they moaning? Why are they complaining? Don't get in an argument, especially when you meet Muslims and you meet people of other religions. Just show them love. Listen to them. Your first time with them, you may not be able to give them uh, the gospel. You may be able to. That's why we carry these Jesus DVDs. But I need to move on because my second word is so exciting. Perhaps one of the most important words in my life next to, of course, Jesus himself. And it's the word grace. Those of you who know OM know that we were a bit of a legalistic movement. Uh, back in the 60s, quite a few people got hurt. I just wrote a, an article about that. Email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. It needs to be worked on a bit. Of why people so easily get hurt in churches and in agencies, even like OM or YWAM. In the late 70s and then more in the 80s, Grace Awakening came to our movement. I write about it in my new book, More Drops. And often I'm referring to Charles Swindoll's book. I've just ordered several thousand of them, but I don't have any on my table this morning. But you've already seen it. You can get it in your Christian bookshop. Grace Awakening. What a great book. Philip Yancey, who's just been on our ship. What's so amazing about grace? And one of the reasons... A number of your churches around the UK are really growing. Quite a few of them. Amazing. Including this one. It's because there's a greater emphasis on grace, on forgiveness. And that's tied together, of course, with the most important passage in my mind in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. That makes it clear if we don't have love, which includes all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, then we don't have anything. Oh, for a year in which there was more love, more grace, more forgiveness, more big-heartedness, more control over what comes out of our mouth. And pray for me. The challenge for me often in this grace awakening is in these senior years, my, I'm home a lot more with my wife. You know, we have an expression in America when we get married, for better or for worse, but not for lunch. They've just done some research. This is Britain now. Forget America. British research. Increasing numbers of people when the guy retires and he's home all the time, the marriage breaks. The wife suddenly discovers what an absolute pain in the neck he is, and she's just getting on his nerves. Why doesn't he go out? Fortunately, he does. That's why Costa, Cafe Nero, and uh, Starbucks are just booming uh, with husbands have been asked to get out of the house during the daytime. Well, my wife and I are together in the house more than ever before, and sometimes I have to confess I'm a real pain to my wife. We're very different. We didn't really know each other when we got married. It was a Bible college marriage. She believed I was a man of God. What else? I gave her the key verses, submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. Uh, that worked for several weeks. <laughs> then she read other verses. And uh, anyway, we've had some difficulties um, at times living together. Some people said the main reason the marriage has lasted 
is that George has been away one-third of the entire time preaching all over the world. But I want to tell you, the last eight months in which I've been home more have been just fantastic because I learned from God's word to quickly repent and quickly apologize and beware of male pride. We don't always like being told off by our wife, especially about our driving. That's why now I let her drive. But I just thank the Lord that he can give grace for this whole new period of our life in which we're together a lot more. She also is not well. I am actually learning how to shop. I've been to this place called Sinsbury's or some Sinbury's or what? And she gives me a list and my wife's a perfectionist. She wants exact. Do you know how many kinds of cheese there are in Sinsbury's? God can give grace, by the way, for these senior years. All of you are getting there. I just preached the Isle of Wight the first time I've ever done it. The seven joys of the senior years and the seven challenges. People wanted the message, and we discovered it wasn't recorded. And a wonderful little lady took the most extensive notes, and the notes of that message are going all over the world on the Internet. I'd be happy to send them to you. Grace Awakening in 2018. The third word is the word reality. This has always been my prayer. Because as human beings, we, we can have a tendency to pretend. We can pretend that things are really going well when we're hurting and things are going wrong. We just had another shocking email. I had one this morning. Um, and really, we're not doing too well. And I just want in 2018 to be real. And I have a number of friends. I have a board I'm responsible to, and I share my struggles. And I battle a lot with discouragement because a lot of my dreams have never come to pass. A lot of my prayers have never been answered. I know you can't even say that to some people. They immediately throw a bunch of cliches at you. And it's interesting that this morning driving here, I was listening to a brilliant message by John Stott in which he was expounding some scriptures, but he started the message with, References to earthquakes, references to suffering, that's so hard to understand. And actually, when he expounded the scriptures, he didn't answer. He didn't really answer those difficult questions because to some degree, there is no total answer to why God doesn't sort of intervene in some of these situations, even where people are slaughtered in churches. You think these are all backsliders? Do you think they're all people that don't know how to pray or they don't, aren't filled with the Holy Spirit? Beware of such cliches. And one of the reasons I'm still strong by God's grace in him is I've learned to live with mystery. I've learned to live with prayer that's not yet answered. And I'm praying perhaps more than ever in my life. So I'd urge you to be real. Have at least one or two that you can share your struggles with and pray with. Even if it's in the sexual area, the hardest thing to talk about. If you're struggling with porn, and I still have to be very careful, not with hard porn, but just with uh, super attractive women in the wrong kind of bathing suit. I never want to touch these women. That's just, to me, unthinkable. But the buzz I get because I'm still a human sexual being, the buzz I get just looking at one. And I had it on the ferry just the other day. The most attractive woman in the most wild bathing suit. Miraculously, I walked away from it. And uh, I just 
I'm just glad I've always had someone to talk to about it, including my own wife, who's been so loving and so forgiving when I've done stupid things. And then the fourth word is the word mobilization. You figured that word was going to come. There's not time to say more about it. But could 2018 be a year for you of a little more sharing your faith, a little more mobilization? I'd urge you to beware of the good. The good is the enemy of the best. And I'm a fan of television. I'm a fan of the world of media. And there's a lot of good stuff on television. But the good can be enemy of the best. And I urge you to just have only a small part of your life for all of that area of so-called entertainment or even education and increase your involvement in prayer, increase your involvement in helping in the great task of global missions, increase in your involvement just talking to people about Jesus. Surveys have shown the majority of Christians don't share their faith at all. I'm sure that wouldn't be true in a church like this. We're all human, and it's not any easier to share your faith, especially with straight-laced white English people. If they're not white, they're always, you know, a little more friendly. And, of course, praise God for every Holy Ghost exception. And I have to beware of my prejudices against white, proud atheists who attack my blessed Lord Jesus. And I can tell you right in the schools here of Tunbridge, atheism and you... Uh, humanism is being promoted and uh, especially by students I don't know where they're getting it all but um, the media is trying to make anybody who believes the Bible anybody who goes to a church like this the media is trying to make us look like some kind of right-wing uh, extremist comparing us with people out of Alabama who supposedly uh, voted for Trump you know this is this is just completely crazy because there's such a wide range of people who love the Word of God. The most powerful testimony for me in this country is the testimony of the Queen. Have you seen that book about the Queen's testimony? I'm about to order another thousand. What a slap in the face to these people who are trying to somehow push Bible-believing Christians into some kind of cultic corner and write us off as bigots. May the Lord give us grace in 2018 to stand and yet to always demonstrate love. Mobilization, my fourth word for 2018. My fifth word is balance. Not the favorite word of some people. My friend David Wilkerson didn't like balance, but he had a different definition than I do. And many men of God have agreed with me that as there's so many different scriptures and some of them are quite extreme, one I used to really hit people with and I got great results. Except you forsake all that you have, you can't be my disciple. That's why my wife, before she married me, gave me all of her money. She, her father was killed in the war. She had a lot of money. She'd be a millionaire today if she'd given it to Sam Walton. But she gave it to me and has been crying out for mercy uh, ever since. Now she's in charge of finance uh, in our home. It all started when I gave her a pound and said, you can be completely free now to spend this pound however you want. By the way, it's amazing what you get in a charity shop for a pound, especially now after Christmas, 50% off. And uh, anyway, that's a separate message. But we hear a lot of strong messages. There are a lot of strange books out, too. A lot of strange books. And we need biblical balance to let one scripture bring other scriptures into balance. 
God brought me to Philippians. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yes, emotionally and mentally in every way, we forsake all. We present everything to Jesus, and then he gives us back what we need. And, of course, that's not always according to our whims. And that leads me to my sixth word, which is not the most popular word in the Christian vocabulary, and it's this word, suffering. All who live a godly life in Christ Jesus, it says in the New Testament, will suffer. We all, when we're ill or when we have a problem, we pray for healing, we pray for prosperity, we pray for breakthroughs, we pray even for safety when we drive. It's completely normal. But just as we embrace healing and we embrace blessing, and my wife and I have had 59, 58 years of it, we have to be ready to embrace suffering. Suffering isn't like all from the devil. It's a little more complicated than that because we're living in a fallen world. And so as believers, if we're real, going back to that other word, we must be willing to face suffering. Most of the older people my age that I know all have some physical suffering. I'm off to the doctor tomorrow morning to check on something that seems to be a little uh, funny with my body. But I'm ready by God's grace to face healing and to face suffering and to somehow rejoice and press on. And then my seventh and final word, you wondered if I'd ever get here, thank you for your patience, is perseverance. Oh, that's how you got here. Instead of the word perseverance for my seventh word, proactive. It's, 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 it's a little more modern, though I'm told now it's out of date. I mean, when you're my age, you know, you know, I listened to John Stott in my car on a cassette recorder. You know, how old am I? <laughs> but in some ways, when I go to a meeting, I don't even have to speak. People have told me this. I just stand up there with my globe, and they look at me, and they know. They know what was, many of them, said against me when I first came here because I was extreme and I was radical. I did upset a lot of people, some of who became my closest friends. But here I am, 57 or 56 years later since I got off that boat in Dunkirk, somehow still running the race. Perhaps I've ministered in more churches in Britain than anyone alive. And God's done it all. You can persevere. Many times I've wanted to give up. Somebody said to me, and I love trains, don't get out of the train when it's in the tunnel. Some of you may be in a tunnel right now. It's a dark time. It's a difficult time. Prayer doesn't seem to get answered. It's hard for you to have a spirit of expectation for 2018. You're just trying to get through today. God can give you grace. Keep bouncing back. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Beware of any hint of sinless perfection. The Bible says if you say you don't sin, you deceive yourself. And one of the reasons churches have split and problems have so often come is our unwillingness to live with other people's sin sinfulness. Yeah, we say we believe this, all sin. If we say we don't sin, we deceive ourselves. We preach that. But when we see sin, especially if it's the leader, whoo, we don't really quite know how to handle it. God's love in our hearts enables us to cover people's sin. If it's something so serious and so big, then the Word of God says you need to go to Him.
before you open your mouth and start talking against a brother or a sister. A man phoned me from South Africa yesterday, a strong-minded denominational guy. He read a godly book and he called me yesterday. He said, I want to apologize on the phone for the things I said against other Christian leaders. I believe even though I, don't, I didn't agree with those leaders, it was wrong that I spoke out against them. I remember him dumping some of this on me. I was quite upset by it at the time. It almost actually hindered our own friendship. The Holy Spirit, I believe in 2018, is wanting to bring greater love, greater reconciliation, and keep us together. Don't let this unity come into your fellowship through all these different agendas that people are pushing on us. If we do this and this, we'll get so much blessing. If we don't do that, oh, and people are going cuckoo with all these different agendas. In America, they actually preach vitamins. If you're not taking these vitamins and this health food, you even see the ads in Christian magazine, you will not be happy. The Lord set us free from small-mindedness in 2018 that we may live in the full power and the grace of Jesus. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive me for going too long.